Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Dan with Comfy Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC's off this week, but that does not mean that we are going to rest. No, instead we've got some more great content lined up for you guys this week. We're going to start by interviewing Christian Edwards, who is fresh off his viral knockout for Bellator. And we'll be chatting with Patty the Batty Pimplet, who fights Joe Giannetti at Cage Warriors 111 in an absolute banger of a fight. Plus, me and Shockwave Dave, instead of breaking down the card like we usually do, we will be talking to you guys about two of our favorite under-the-radar cards. Both of us make our arguments for why ours is better. Listen in. Head on over to our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA, and vote in the poll to decide who has the better pick. But before we get to any of that great content, I got to remind you that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Punch Lab. The Punch Lab app is available wherever it is that you download apps. So let me explain something about this Punch Lab app. We all know it's hard to get to the gym at a specific time so that you can work out with a boxing coach or a kickboxing coach. And we also know it can be really hard and expensive to find a good boxing coach. Well, not anymore because the Punch Lab app now brings high quality boxing instructors right into the palm of your hands. The app, which you can get, like I said before, both the Google Play, iTunes App Store, wherever it is you get apps, has workouts designed by real qualified boxing coaches that talk you through sessions on the bag or even if you're shadow boxing. They have ones designed for MMA, kickboxing, Muay Thai, and more. Plus, you can attach your phone to the heavy bag using a belt that they have, and it will actually count and measure the strength of your punches and kicks. So head on over, download that app, and change the way that you train your striking. Punch Lab app, it brings you this episode of Top Journal MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Christian Edwards, fresh off of his viral KO of Caesar Bennett at Bellator 223. So, Christian, your KO was absolutely all over the place. Hundreds of thousands of views all over different Twitter accounts. It got picked up on places like Barstool Sports, who, you know, it typically doesn't show MMA knockouts all the time. How surprised were you that it went as viral as it did? Man, I really just, uh, you know, I didn't expect it to blow up the way it did, but when it did, I, man, I didn't, uh, I didn't think it was, you know, going to blow up that, you know, big. So, uh, it was pretty mind blowing, you know, seeing it on like world star hip hop and fucking, uh, you know, ESPN, you know, crazy, you know, crazy stuff like that. It's just, you know, I uh, didn't expect it to blow up like that. And this comes at you pretty quickly, too, given that this is just your second pro fight. I, I know you got some amateur fights under your belt, too. Is it a little bit overwhelming that just at 21 years old and, and with only two pro fights that you're getting all this attention now? I mean, no, not really, man. Like, it's, uh, you know, like, it's not really any pressure. It's just more, uh, honestly, I'm just, you know, happy my career is taking off as quickly as it is. Yeah, and I know some of that, that takeoff has to do with, first of all, how Bellator is handling you, but also that I know that you made a move to Jackson Winkle, John. Can you tell us a little bit about that move to Jackson Wink? Uh, yeah, it was, you know, at first I uh, I got here July of last year, and at first it was, you know, pretty intimidating, you know, training with people like 
John Jones and Michelle Watterson and, you know, John Dodson, like all these people that I've been watching fight for a long time, you know, and uh, it's pretty intimidating at first, but, you know, now I'm just like, you know, it's it's whatever, you know, they're just my teammates, you know, like, uh, you know, the people like me, you know what I mean? Like me and you. So, you know, it's, uh, I think I've, uh, you know, really grown to like Albuquerque a lot. Albuquerque's, you know, like my, uh, I think I'm going to be here for a long time. That's awesome to hear. And now, how, how did you wind up deciding on Jackson Winkle John of, of all of the places where you could have, you know, moved your training to full time? Well, uh, my manager had brought it up to me, you know, a couple times before I moved out. And uh, one day he just asked me, like, he was like, hey, if I could uh, send you out to Jackson Wink to do a camp down there, how long would you want to stay down there? And I was like, you know, like, jokingly, you know, I was kind of just like, I was like, uh, forever, you know what I mean? Just because, you know, like, that would be cool, but I didn't really think that was going to happen. And then he was just like, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I can do that if, you, if that's what you want to do. You want to move down there? Because uh, he said that him and uh, Coach Wink had actually been talking about doing a scholarship program for, like, you know, like about a month. And he said that he thought I was, like, the perfect candidate. So I was like, all right, cool, yeah. So uh, I packed up and... Sure enough, man, I've been living here since July of last year. And that scholarship program that you mentioned, is that allowing you to just focus on fighting, just training full-time? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I do have a job, but it's like a weekend job, you know what I mean? Like, I work weekends at a liquor store, and then I train, like, Monday through Friday. That That's certainly awesome. And do you feel like, I mean, obviously training at a, a world-class facility like Jackson Wink is going to help the growth anyway, but... Do you feel like the the additional ability to put extra time and extra focus into your training has really paid off? Yeah, I, I feel like it really has paid off a lot because I like I see the improvements. You know, like I'm a lot better at all around mixed martial arts than I was. You know, when I first got here. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's definitely you know showing. Absolutely, and it showed in the performance as well. Now, you mentioned talking training with John Jones and Michelle Watterson and how that was intimidating at first. I got to imagine, given your size, that a, a person around like John Jones is a is a great asset to have because he's the size of you know the elite fighters in your division, and he is the elite fighter in your division. How much time do you spend training with John Jones, and, and how much has he helped you get ready for the big time? Man, you know, honestly. When John is in camp, that's more, you know, his time to work what he's getting better at, what he's focusing on. But, you know, like I've never, uh, like all my camps I usually did with, uh, you know, like Dante Mays and Devin Clark and, uh, you know, Bavon Lewis whenever he was here, you know. And, uh, you know, like I've worked with John and, yeah, he's helped me get better at, a you know, a bunch of things. But, uh you know, for the most part, whenever I would work with him, it would usually be when he was in camp. So he was focusing on like, you know, his stuff that he needed to work for his fight, you know, but, uh, I mean, I definitely have, you know, picked up some things from him that I still use, you know, in sparring and in my fights too, you know, so I definitely, uh, for sure, you know, like I definitely learned from him when I can. Well, and, and the list of people you named there too, uh, apart from John Jones is certainly a, a who's who to train with at 205 as well, or 265 in Mays's case. Now I want to ask you about your future here because obviously you're only 21. How, how quickly do you want to get back in there? Because you know, obviously you weren't hurt too much in that last fight. Man, I'm honestly looking at February 
at least. I want to fight in February, maybe even like late January if they have a card. But uh, we'll see, man. You know, like um, I'm sure they'll they'll take care of me. You know, they'll they'll find me another fight quickly because you know, like I've had two really impressive performances. You know what I mean? So like they know that I'll be a household name in Bellator like soon. You know, so yeah, I think they uh, I think they're gonna take care of me in that aspect. That, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I also want to ask, too, because, you know, you are so young. You are only two pro fights. And Bellator has, has had some, some prospects similar to you that are very exciting. Some of them, they've they've sort of strung along really slowly. Some of them, they just jumped into the, the big thick of the higher-end competition. Which one are you more looking to do? Are you looking for a big step up in competition if you do fight in January and February? Or are you looking to play it a little slower than that? Honestly, man, there's no... Uh particular opponent that I want, I'm ready to fight anybody, you know, like they, they want to put me up against fucking, you know, like, uh, a top 15 guy. I know I'll be ready for that fight, but if they want to, you know, take it slower than that, then I'm, you know, of course I'm ready for that too. So we'll see, you know, I'll leave it up to them. All right. Well, regardless of what they wind up deciding, we'll be excitedly watching for that fight announcement. Once again, this is Christian Edwards, fresh off his viral knockout of Cesar Bennett at Bellator 223. Christian, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is Daniel Gumby, Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Patty the Batty Pimblet, who fights Joe Giannetti at Cage Warriors 111 on November 22nd. So, Patty, this is your first MMA fight in over a year. How's the layoff been, and sort of what has been your biggest focus in that time? Uh, well, my biggest focus, obviously, is being to get better. That's, that's been the main focus, but just getting healthy, you know what I mean? working on stuff that hasn't worked for me in the past and making myself a better fighter but it's also grooming me as a person you know what I mean I've become a, a, a man and you said you're getting healthy has it been just the I, I know you had a wrist injury and a hand injury has it been just those things or has it been other things as well um, well there was that and then I've had a few other little niggles and injuries as well that I've had to get over but I've had to I've just had to grow up you know what I mean I've had to like I say become a man I am um, I never had a proper S&C regime. I used to just wing it. And, um, and now, now, as you can see, all the pictures and the videos of me, I look like a man. I don't look like a boy anymore. I've grew uh, I've into my body. and I've got a proper training regime behind it to, to back it up. So you're going to see the best version of me that you've ever seen. And is that some of the decision to 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 decide to go up to 155 pounds? Because I know you were the featherweight champ before. You most recently fought for the lightweight championship. Is growing into your body made this move a permanent move? Or are you definitely staying at 155 forever? Um, to be honest, now I'm, I've only got like four kilos to lose by 30, which is not, and as you know, I've lost like eight kilos overnight before. So, um. Uh, now in the future, I probably am gonna go back down to featherweight. Where some of them lightweights are huge in UFC. When I go to the UFC, I am gonna be going back down to featherweight. Um, but back then, I was a 21-year-old kid. Know what I mean? I was doing stuff so unprofessionally. I was going out partying Saturday, Sunday, coming in the gym Monday morning. I was going out four weeks before a fight. I was eating shit constantly. I was just, I was a child. Know what I mean? I wasn't 
I thought, oh, yeah, it's all right, it's all right. And it was going well for me, you know what I mean? While I was doing that, I won four fights in six months, become a world champion and defended the belt. I, I couldn't, I, I was always right, you know what I mean? I was like, no, it's sound, it's sound, I can do it, I can burn the candle at both ends, it's sound. And then it all come crashing down and caught up to me, you know what I mean? And then started to sort myself out a bit. And obviously I would I would be the lightweight champion now if I didn't have a broken hand going into that fight. It's that simple. Absolutely. And, and no, you mentioned in there too that when you're in the UFC, because you're, you're planning on making that switch to the UFC at some point in time, do you feel like the fact that you get Joe Giannetti here on a short notice, who, who is a guy who's fought in the UFC and on the Ultimate Fighter, do you think that gives you a better chance to get signed into the UFC uh, should you win this weekend? Uh, yeah, it probably does. To be honest, it probably does. Uh, but even and no disrespect to Joe, that's off to him for taking the fight on a week's notice. Know what I mean? Uh, well, ten days notice. There a lot of people that offered this fight two, two, three weeks out. Know what I mean? And they wouldn't take it. And then he stepped up on ten days and said, "Yeah, he'll do it." So that's off to him. But I think he's uh, he's not a tougher fight as what Donovan Desme would have been. So, so you actually feel that Desme would have been a tougher fighter? Is there a reason why you think Desme is a, a tougher fighter? Um, no, it's just I just think style-wise and stuff, Desme's a tougher fight. Mm-hmm. I think Joe's like, well, he's, I've, I've said this to people, he's he's not as a, a not as good version of me, <laughs> but a lot of people who step back, nobody's like you, so he can't be like a not as good version of you. Mm-hmm. Which the right, no one is like me, but. He's like guys in the gym that I deal with on a daily basis. He's um, like, I've seen an American comment on one of his things saying um, them guys from the UK can't grapple, uh, take him down, ragdoll him and that. I'd love Joe to try and take me down. You know what I mean? I'll submit him fast. I don't reckon he'll be able to out-wrestle me and I think I've got better strikes on him. So I think it's just awkward and I've just got to be able to cope with the awkwardness. And do you think that that wrestling is a thing he's going to try to do to you? Do you think that that's an avenue that you think he will probably try to in- explore? What you say, sorry? Do, do you believe that he will try to explore the grappling realm? Do you think he's going to come in and try to take you down? Uh, no, I'll be honest. I don't think he'll try and take me down. I'd love to. I'd love him too. You know what I mean? I, I I'm comfortable anywhere. Anywhere the fight goes, I don't care. You know what I mean? I'm I'm happy to go anywhere. I think I can outstrike him, I think I can out-wrestle him, and I think I can out-jujitsu him. So I'm happy to go anywhere where this fight goes. And you mentioned jujitsu in there too. I did want to ask you, you recently had a grappling match against Stevie Ray. Um, is that something you're looking to do more of, or is that something that you were doing while you healed up and, and while you waited for a fight to get made? Um, no, it's uh, I, I am going to definitely compete on Pilatus again over the, next, uh, over the next year, you know what I mean? But uh, my fights come first. It's that simple. My MMA comes first, just like it does for Stevie. You know what I mean? MMA comes first. A lot of this, like, grappling stuff is secondary. So, um, if I get a few months off and there's a space on a Pilatus, I'll jump on it. Awesome. Now, let's let's return to talking about this fight, too, because it is a really exciting fight here. You, you go in there, you're expecting him to stand and bang with you. Do you have a prediction for this fight? How do you see this one playing out? Um... Well, I, I I think I'm gonna get in there and and blow him away, and it'll be over fast, first or second round. And it's weird that he wants to take the fight. If he wants to stand with me, I think I'll TKO him, the punches and ground and pound, or 
kicks uh, if he wants to go to the floor. I think I'll take Hayom on the floor when he's going for his subs. Or he'll just leave his neck out for me and I'll choke him. You know what I mean? I, I just can't see him. I can't see him finishing me anywhere. I don't. Has Joe, Joe's never been finished either, has he? I don't believe he has it. No, I don't think he's. No, ever he finished. hasn't. So it's a statement from me as well, getting a finish against some a guy who's never been finished, and it's gonna happen. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Patty the Batty Pimblet calling first or second round finish of Joe Gianetti at Cage Warriors on November twenty second. We'll be watching. Patty, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Don't worry about it, man. Anytime, you know that. And those interviews with Christian Edwards and Patty the Batty Pimblet are brought to you by A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films. A Story About a Fight is a short action drama film about the beauty in the violence of a sport that we love so much, MMA. It is an MMA film, and I've been saying for years that we need more MMA films out there. And the special thing about this one is that it is actually being done by people who know MMA. Both the director and the lead actor both are huge fans of the sport and train in the sport. So they know how it's supposed to look. So we are going to get an authentic view of MMA on the screen. So make sure you check them out on their website, astoryaboutafight.com, or you can check them out at Twitter, at astoryafight. Now I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave from Monday. Dave, I know there's no UFC this weekend, but this is one fight that I'm really pumped up for. Patty the Batty Pimblet versus Joe Gianetti. How about you? You know, that's a very interesting fight, Gumby. We've heard so much about Patty Pimblet now going on what feels like a few years. It feels like he's one fight away from coming to the UFC. Cage Warriors now on UFC Fight Pass. Feels like this is kind of made up almost in a Dana White contender series style of way to introduce him to the larger UFC audience, hopefully, and then, you know, get him in the UFC finally. Yeah, I think so, too. And and I also think this is a really fun matchup for him. He said he thought that, you know, Joe Gianetti is a little bit more of an easy matchup for him than Donovan Desme would have been. But ultimately, I think the best part about it, whether it's an easier matchup or not, it's the name recognition. You know, knowing a guy in the UFC, knowing a guy who's on the finals of the Ultimate Fighter, knowing a guy who's got crazy submission skills, like, that that's a great name for him to have on his list if, if he picks up the win this weekend. All right. Well, speaking of this weekend, there actually are no UFC fights for us to break down in our award-winning new segment, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we hand out great gambling advice and entertain our fans along the way. Our parlays hit two weeks in a row, so if you're not listening to that, you're missing out. You can thank us. uh, You can take it to your bookie. You can thank us later, but keep listening to the show. Any week there is a UFC card, we will be doing Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we break down fights, give you a dog, give you a couple of parlays to bet on, and uh, hopefully entertain you along the way. So with that said, we're going to do a new game this week, Gumby, and it's going to be low-key UFC fight cards. You and I each came up with one for people to go check out on UFC Fight Pass or maybe ESPN Plus or YouTube or whatever illegal Russian streaming site (laughs) you so choose to watch old UFC fight cards on, Uh, but we thought it would be a fun way to take a trip down memory lane. Gumby, one may wonder, though, does any company sponsor our new low-key UFC fight cards in history segment? Yeah, our low-key fight cards in history segment is brought to you by Maroon Social. Head to any app store that you use and download the Maroon Social app 
M-A-R-U-N-E. It allows you to track your jiu-jitsu or any martial arts progress that you should be making. It lets you know month to month, week to week, whether or not you're doing more training, less training. It gives you a place for notes, places for weigh-ins, log your competitions, all kinds of other cool things, as well as talking to your friends about training. Make sure to check it out, Maroon Social. All right, so before we, I don't know what your card is, you don't know what my card is, that makes the fun of this game. Hey, maybe we'll come up with the same card, wouldn't that be awkward, but that just means we're soulmates, I guess. Uh, Why don't you give us one point, or one little nugget about your card, and then I'll give one about mine. But don't reveal it. Do not reveal it, just Give us a little teaser. What what happens in your card that people should care about? All right. So my card, let's see. If I'm looking for one nugget that makes you definitely want to watch it, I'm going to say the coolest part of it is that there are only two decisions on the whole fight card. And in addition to that, you get a 16-second armbar, an 8-second Superman KO, and a 51-second knockout from a future light heavyweight still fighting at welterweight. There are tons of fast and violent finishes in addition to there being like a couple of like fun throwback like middling level names on there picking up wins. Um, so I think in general, the, one of the things that stuck out to me is it had an absolutely crazy finish rate. Uh, how many, first of all, and if I fail to mention this, I also want to say our low-key fight cards in history, what makes it low-key is there were no title fights on these cards. Mm-hmm. So there have been a few pay-per-views that didn't have a title fight, or maybe they just made up a title for it, <clears throat> BMS. Uh, but mainly, you know, you're going to be looking at your fight nights. So I do want to ask you one clarification, because now I am a little worried that we picked the same fight card. How many fights were, you said only two decisions. How many fights were there total? Twelve total fights. Okay. I had, I had 11 fights with only two decisions. So I guess that makes me at a better finishing rate, or you have a better finishing rate if you had one more fight. That would mean I had a better finishing rate for the for the math inclined folk. Uh, my percentage would be just ever so slightly higher. Okay, so I had now we all know I'm a sub guy here. I like to keep track of submissions. We love the jujitsu. We're big jujitsu guys here. Big jujitsu guys. We are big on jujitsu. We love jujitsu. Uh, I had nothing but knockouts and TKOs on this. Oh, there was one one submission, an arm triangle choke. But every other finish, so of the nine finishes, eight were via either strikes or uh, kicks or some type of, actually it was all uh, TKO or KO. And I apologize, actually in one hit kick. So high finishing rate on my card. Give us, you know what? Let's just reveal it. What was your fight card? So my fight card I picked was UFC Fight Night 13, which was uh, Kenny Florian versus Joe Lozon was the main event, which is a super fun fight. But the the ones that you need to know about on the card was James the Sandman Irvin, Superman punched uh, Houston Alexander in six seconds, which was like for a while the record for fastest knockout before uh, Moss Vidal came around or maybe somebody else, Dwayne Ludwig might have had it before that. Uh, but James Irvin picked up a six-second submission. Marcus Aurelio uh, armbarred Ryan Roberts in 16 seconds, which is a top, 
I think it's the sixth fastest submission in UFC history, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, in addition to that, you get uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson into the very early part of his career when he was still a welterweight, knocked out Tommy Spear in 51 seconds. Clay Guida gets a knockout. Manny Gamburian gets a first-round submission. Uh, Nate Diaz, Matt Hamill, Tiago Alves all with finishes, plus Kenny Florian finishes Joe Lozon by TKO in the main event. Crazy bunch of finishes on the card in, like, all super good. Oh, yeah, the only other finisher that I, I left off of there, too, was George Sotteropoulos. Who's like all like that's the worst name on the of the all the dudes who won is like George Sotteropoulos. Yeah, I mean that is a stacked and impressive card. All right, so I will reveal mine. It is uh, a UFC Fight Night as well. UFC Fight Night forty five, headlined by Cowboy Cerrone versus Jim Miller. Jim Miller, a favorite fighter of mine. He took the loss in this one. Head kick KO in the second round. He lost to Donald Cerrone, but you also have Edson Barbosa with a nasty body kick uh, finish on Evan Dunham. Rick Story got an arm triangle choke over Leonardo Mafra. Joe Proctor with a TKO. John Lineker with a TKO. Lucas Martins with a KO. So the main card had nothing but finishes. Five KOs, one submission. The preliminary card, you had Gleason Tebow getting a decision win over Pat Healy. Leslie Smith with a TKO. Al Jermaine Sterling, friend of the show, with a TKO. Uh, and Yustenis Soldano, uh, that was actually a TKO due to knee injury, but we'll still take it. Claudia Gedalia had a unanimous decision win on this fight as well. So some fun fighters, some still relevant fighters uh, on the undercard. And really, for me, it was a little bit more about the meaning of it. One, it took place in Atlantic City, which I always think of as kind of like a fight city. But, you know, back in the day, there were bigger boxing fights there. Uh, and this was really Donald Cerrone's first headlining appearance. So I think it was very meaningful. You know, they tried to make Cerrone... Obviously, he did become a household name, almost a poster child of the UFC. Probably is never going to win gold. I mean, still fighting to this day. Probably isn't going to go out with a title, I don't think, at this point. This was in that early push where they thought maybe he could be a future champion. They had him headline this fight night card. He's prominently featured on the poster. You know, it's Cowboy, the nickname, not even Donald Cerrone. Um it was a big night, I would say, in his career for a fan favorite and obviously a future Hall of Famer. And then Jim Miller, also who I think should be in the UFC Hall of Fame, even though he never really reached the top of the division per se. But you just had two kind of iconic fan favorites going at it in the main event. And then when you have an Edson Barbosa body kick in there, well, your money's worth it. You get to see an arm triangle choke if you're like us and you're a bit of a jits nerd. Uh, and then guys like Joe Proctor and John Lineker, who have always been fun on these undercards or maybe at one point being thought of as, you know, prospects that didn't necessarily pan out. Also, the same thing goes with Aljamain Sterling, who still could be a future champion. You had some nice name value on the undercard. Uh, only 4,000 in attendance. I couldn't find the actual uh, ratings for this. On uh, It was aired on FX at the time, or excuse me, on Fox Sports at the time. I don't imagine it was, you know, big business, but it's a fight fans card. Yeah, well, and I'm really glad you mentioned where it was, too, because that was actually my second point that I was going to make about this fight card, is that UFC Fight Night 13 comes from you from Bloomfield, Colorado, uh, which, as you know, is where the earliest UFC was from, and it's the first... UFC won. Yeah, and it's the first UFC back in Colorado in 13 years at that point. They went back for UFC... 
um, Ultimate Ultimate in 1995, and then not again for another 13 years. So it was like the UFC's return to Colorado, which is super, super cool. And it is also the debut, as far as Fight Night cards are concerned, of the three-hour main card. Because before that, the UFC would not televise any of their prelims, and it would be like a four-fight main card on Spike. So you would get four fights, and they'd shut it off. Uh, and in this case, they debuted the three-hour main card due to, I'm pretty sure, people complaining that it, there weren't enough fights on. Uh, which is funny now when you think about how many people complain about how many there are and the pacing and shit like that. Like, <clears throat> yeah, now, back then they were, like, begging for more. So it was, like, the first three-hour one, there were six fights on the main card, plus they squeezed in one of the prelims because the fights ended quick. Remember when the fights ended quick and they squeezed in another prelim? Fuck, I love I that. I used to love that, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> such, a, such a bonus. But so I really love that. And then I like too that you said it was about star building because that was my third point that I was going to bring up is that there is so much star building power on my card because three different fighters on this fight added a fight to their winning streak that eventually led them to a title shot. Uh, mm. On this fight card, Gray Maynard beats Frankie Edgar by decision in the co-main event. And he doesn't not win. He stays undefeated with no ties until he fights Frankie Edgar again for the title, which he then draws and wow. loses to Frankie Edgar back to back. So this is part of a win streak that eventually led him to a title shot against the same guy. Um, in addition to that, Tiago Alves wins here. And as he wins and uh, he knocks out, hang on one second, I'm losing my notes here. Uh, he knocked out Carl Parisian. After he knocks out Carl Parisian, he gets to fight with Matt Hughes, who he then beats and then gets to fight GSP for the title. Um, the third person on my list who is on their, oh, uh, Kenny Florian, of course. Kenny Florian, uh, beats Joe Lozon by TKO. He eventually gets his shot against BJ Penn as part of this win streak. So three different guys on their win streaks on the way to titles. And of course I would be, you know, absolutely crazy if I didn't mention the star building quality of this fight card comes entirely from a highlight that you saw a hundred times a couple weeks ago. And that's Nate Diaz sinking a triangle choke on Kurt Pellegrino and flexing and flipping him off. He does the double, (laughs) double middle fingers and he poses with his arms out. Dude, it's, it's so iconic. They show it in every single one of his video packages. It pretty much started to build that like Nate Diaz thug mentality. Like not that he wasn't already that right. But like that persona, like catapulted him into stardom. So I do want to mention some of the other cards I had in contention. Just throw them out there, but you guys can go hit us up on our Twitter. We'll put a poll out there, and you know we'll keep it up for a few days. Go watch Fight Night 13, Gumby's choice. Go watch Fight Night 45, my choice. Tell us which one you think is the better card, the better low key card in history. But I do want to throw out a couple of other options out there. That just didn't make the cut for me, but, you know, just worth it bringing them up. Ultimate Fighter 5 finale, headlined by BJ Penn versus Jens Pulver. BJ gets the rear naked choke, uh, and that was obviously, you know, getting back a victory for him because he lost to Jens Pulver previously. Uh, Thales Latis uh, got a submission over uh, Floyd Sword, which is an awesome last name for a fighter. Roger Huerta with a TKO over Doug Evans. The only thing that kept this out for me was Nate Diaz winning the Ultimate Fighter, but it was only because uh, Manny Gamburian injured yeah. his Yeah. But then you go to the undercard. Joe Lozon had a triangle choke win. Cole Miller had a TKO win. Gray Maynard, Rob Ederberson went to no contest. 
Leonard Garcia with a rear naked choke, and Matt Wyman with a TKO. I guess I just happen to really like that ultimate fighter, but you do have some nice names in there, so I wanted to bring it up, but I think the injury kind of mars it, and it didn't really put that exclamation point on what was probably my favorite season, I believe, or at least one of the top five seasons of the ultimate fighter. Another good one recently, uh, Poirier Gaethje. Uh, Poirier Gaethje is the main event. is just any Gaethje fight is going to be good. Poirier gets the one there. <laughs> Alex Oliveira gets a guillotine choke over Carlos Condit. And then Israel Adesanya with a decision win over Marvin Vittori and Michelle Waterson with a decision win over Courtney Casey. That's the main card. So you have some pretty, I mean, Alex Oliveira at this point, you know, is really, while not a world champion, again, like this is somewhat of a fan favorite. Israel Adesanya, obviously now a champion. Michelle Waterson, uh, you had Shoeface getting a rear naked choke over Tim Bosch. Uh, tons of finishes, you know, KOs, TKOs. Uh, you even had an Oma Plata submission by Adam uh, Wojciechowski, if I said that right. So that's a fun fight card in history. Then Lawler versus Brown. It headlined a Fox show. You had uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson on his comeback uh, push. He uh, uppercutted Antonio Rogero Nogueira into hell. Dennis Bermudez with a rear naked choke over Clay Guida. Jorge Masvidal on the undercard beat Darren Cruikshank via unanimous decision. Brian Ortega uh, with a win over Mike De La Torre. That was later overturned. Joanna Jacek with a unanimous decision win early in her fight career. So that was Waller versus Brown. And then for a real old school one, last one I'll mention, Gumby. UFC, uh, oh man, I lost it now. Hmm. Did you have any that uh, – I'm going to have the intern look it up. Did you have any else that you considered? Yeah, I really liked it. And eventually I decided that this was just not good is, is Fight Night 13. But it had like a special place in my heart. And that was UFC Live, also known as UFC on Versus 4. Uh, remember when the UFC was on Versus? But this one was headlined by Shet Congo and Pat Barry in the greatest one-round fight that exists on man – for on Planet I love Earth. that fight. It's the most amazing main event ever. Um, especially for a one-round fight. On that card, you also have Charlie Brenneman, uh, who I don't know if you remember the Spaniard, but the Spaniard stepped up on, like, three hours' notice to fight Rick Story and then promptly manhandled him wrestling-wise uh, to a decision. You also got Matt Mitrione getting a knockout KO. Matt Brown fought Doomsday Howard, which was fun. You got Tyson Griffin beating Manny Gamburian. Joe Lozon with another ridiculously fast submission. You got Charles Oliveira versus Nick Lentz, number one, because as you know, they've now fought three fucking times, which is ridiculous. And you also have um, what I believe to be, although I'm going to have to double check, what I believe to be Michael Johnson's debut fight. Um, let me just quickly put the intern on this one. Yeah, well, let me... Oh, no, he fought on the Ultimate then... Fighter. He fought on the Ultimate Fighter finale. Um, because he was fighting well, Jonathan Brookins on the Ultimate Fighter finale. But then, this is his first fight after that, so it's his first UFC win. And then Ricardo Lamas uh, picked up a head kick KO on that one, too. So that one's super fun for, you know, all of the reasons I mentioned, obviously. But, um, ultimately, just, like, not the name power on it. Last one I'll mention, the one I couldn't find before because uh, I lost my page. Uh, UFC 50, check this one out. Headlined by Tito Ortiz over Patrick Ote. Took place at Trump Plaza in Atlantic City back in 2004. So early Zufa days. Dana White has referenced this a number of times when no one else would book them, and they needed to get some momentum going. Uh, somewhat of a crazy event, but you can go watch it. The event itself, um, really, I mean, you can't ask for much better. Travis Luter KOs Marvin Eastman. Ivan Travis Luter, Travis Luter, I heard, is the Michael Jordan of jiu-jitsu. I don't know if you know that. He, 
I knew that, and he is. Uh, thank you, Uncle Goldie. Ivan Salivary gets a body triangle submission. Don't see that much. Evan Tanner, RIP, gets a triangle choke over Robbie Lawler. Frank Trigg with a TKO. Matt Hughes beats a guy. I don't know what he ended up going on to do, but his name was George St. Pierre. Matt Hughes got the armbar victory over him in just his third fight. Rich Franklin beats Jorge Rivera via armbar. And then in the main event, Tito Ortiz beats Patrick Cote via unanimous decision. So that's UFC, the war of 04. You can go check that out. We just hit you up with a number, a lot of homework, guys. We'll put all this on our uh, Twitter. Go check it out on UFC Fight Pass. We hope you enjoyed this segment of low-key cards in history. Uh, you can hit us up on our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. Gumby, that about wraps it up from my end of things. Why don't you wrap up the whole show and tell the fans what they need to know? Well, I would love to wrap us up once again. This has been another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week because we wouldn't have a show without you guys. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on because we couldn't do what we do without them. We also want to thank our sponsors, a story about a fight from Rumination Films, Maroon Social. Make sure to download the Maroon Social app. And while you're at your app store, also download the Punch Lab app. So make sure you check out both of those apps. I also want to remind you guys, check us out on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We're going to have that poll for which of us had the better under-the-radar card, so make sure you check that out. I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you next week.